Okay. Let's look at the third third chapter. Let's back up just a few verses and look at verse chapter three, verse eleven, through the end uh, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Now may our Lord God and Father Himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all the people just as we also do for you so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his saints. You remember that Paul was just at Ephesus these three Sabbaths according to Scripture. And he didn't get finished to do what he wanted to do in teaching and encouraging and being with them. So he sent Timothy back to encourage him. And he came back, and we talked about it last week, that he came back with a great report, you know, that they were doing what they needed to do. So in chapter 4, we pick up, and this is the first time he's talking about their ministry in the first part and uh, how they were there and what they did. And, and in chapter 4, he picks up with some teaching. I was saying a while ago that, that uh, after studying this book, um, this particular scripture, I went up for breakfast one morning, last day or two, and I told Velta, I said, I'm going to quit teaching. She said, what? I says, I'm going to quit teaching Sunday school. She says, why? I says, the lessons are getting too convicting. <laughs> so that's where we start this morning, you know. So read with me, follow with me, and we'll come back. I'm going to read these eight verses, and then we'll come back and look at them. Finally, brethren, we request that you exhort and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, that you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus, that this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles do who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defrauds his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. He who rejects this 
is not rejecting man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Go back to verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us instruction to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk that you excel still more. Well, Paul had sent Timothy. Timothy had just got back. And he'd given, given a real good report. He says, they're doing good. They're enduring the faith. They comforted me. They were concerned about us. And so Paul's writing this letter back to them. And he's probably taken a little instruction. Now, quickly, he was in Corinth when he wrote this letter. You know about Corinth. We've got two chap, two books on Corinth, most probably the most carnal church that Paul addresses. And so he says here, we receive instruction that you receive instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk, Paul said, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. I have no idea that the Philippian, excuse me, the Thessalonians were involved in sexual immorality, but it kind of hints maybe he got a glimpse of that and he said, we need to nip this in the bud. Now, we all have different translations in front of us, and that's great. Uh, but in verse 3, the word your sanctification, the New King James, the NIV, the ESV, the New American Standard, does anybody have something else besides that? All translate this word sanctification. That's a, that's a big churchy word. We're going to talk about that in just a minute this sanctification, that you abstain, specifically, he's saying here, from sexual immorality. Verse 4, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. Now, sec, sac, in the word in the ESV that Art teaches from says holiness at that point. And so holiness, we're going to kind of use interchangeably with sanctification. Holy, holiness, sanctification. And we'll, we're going to define these in just, in just a minute. Uh, 
Verse 5, not in the lustful passion like the Gentiles do who do not know God. And that's a, that's a big statement there. You're different. You're not like these Gentiles who don't know God. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Verse 6, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warn you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification or holiness, as your scripture may, may say. Verse 8. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, when we went through the Gospel of John, and John told us the role of the Holy Spirit that, that, that indwells us at conversion, and he says, that makes you different, makes you different. Now, look at the single sheet that, that we passed out to you there. <clears throat> and let's look at, look at some of that. Everybody got the single sheet? You don't? You got some more copies? Right there. Give, give this table some, Justin. Who else needs them? Thank you. And give Irene one over there. And Jeff behind you. Thank you. All right. Single, the single sheet. All right. At the top, I've got 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We, we said here, verse 5, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now, this is classic. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. We're different when Jesus comes into our heart. Now, Romans six fifteen through 19. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, they are slaves of the one who you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you've become obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slave to righteous, resulting in in sanctification. Now, 
along with that page, pick up the page that's got the staple in it. Now this is a, is a copy from chapter 38 of, of Systematic Theology by uh, Dwayne Gruden. And on the, look at the second page if you will, um, I've given the link down at the bottom on the outline and he has also had a teaching, an audio teaching, and that's that's uh, that. Uh, it's one in, th it's three parts. But the first, this is the one, part one is the one of uh, of him teaching um, this uh, thing on sanctification. Okay, now look at look at the one with the staple. We're going to back back and forth between the two. <clears throat> sanctification is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. Now, go back to the single sheet now. He's got some definitions. These are from uh, his book, uh, Dr. Grudem. Regeneration. And if you want to argue with it, you have to argue with him. I'm, I'm just the messenger here. A secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us, sometimes called being born again. So another churchy word, regeneration, equals being born again. Again, and that's the difference it makes. He's the difference that makes in our life. It's a he calls it a secret act. Belt and I batted this back and forth between us. Uh, I suppose it is secret, it's just between you and the Lord, um, and that's where we are. The next definition he's got there is justification, another churchy word, and instantaneous legal act of God in which he, one, thinks of our sin as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us, and two, declares us to be righteous in his sight. Jane, I'm going to pick on you. When you were in Bible school, what did they tell you justification was? Like a justice, just as if I had never sinned. That's it. That's been the classical yeah. definition of justification. Just as if I've never sinned. When we are saved, the Lord comes into our lives. He puts the Holy Spirit within us, which is impossible for me to understand. But at that point in time... We are justified in the Lord's sight. It's, as he says, an instantaneous legal act of God in which he thinks of our sins as being forgiven and Christ's righteousness, we've, we've bear down on that. We don't have any righteousness. It's, the only way you can get to heaven is being righteous and our righteousness is no good we have Christ's righteousness in us as belonging to us. 
Number two, and he declares us to be righteous in his sight. Justification. Okay. Now, under that, I've got this thing. Sanctification has a past aspect in that all believers have been set apart at salvation. Set apart. Theologians call this past setting apart justification. You're okay with that? It's, it's in the past. We've been justified, as Jane said, just as if we have never sinned. Now, sanctification, a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more like Christ in our actual lives. A progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more like Christ in our lives. Now, I didn't say that, but these, these two little things are from Chuck Swindoll, and he says this, sanctification has a future aspect. We talked about the past aspect. It has a future aspect. When believers, both resurrected and living, will be made holy and blameless. Paul emphasizes present or ongoing sanctification. So, now take go to the page that's got the staple. All right, we see this little chart here, and he says, this is Dr. Grudem, the differences between justification and sanctification. Justification is a legal standing. Sanctification is an internal condition. Justification is once for all time. We're saved once. We can't lose it. If you're saved, you can't lose it. If you were in my, in my uh, James study, we went through this, you know, once for all time. Sanctification, however, is continuous through life. Continuous. Justification is entirely God's work. In sanctification, it's us and the Lord. We cooperate, as Dr. Grudemann says. Justification is perfect in this life. Sanctification is not perfect in this life. Justification is the same for all Christians. Sanctification is greater in some than others. Okay, I've given um, some verses out, and I'm going to call on you now. These are we'll go through these three stages of sanctification here. Sanctification has a beginning at regeneration. Who's got number one? The red number one. Read. renewal by the Holy Spirit 
So he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs and having the hope of eternal life. He saved us not on the basis of deeds, but in righteousness. So it's a beginning. Sanctification begins at regeneration, at being saved. All right. Who's got number two? First John 3 9 says, No one who has been born of God practices sin because his, his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. The key word there is no one who is born of God practices sin. I've said this a lot. It's not next week when the Holy Spirit pricks Bill's heart when I've done something wrong, misspoken. It's right now. It's not a case of practicing sin. We've talked about confessing it every night, confessing it. We don't practice sin. If you do practice sin, you need to check up. You don't practice sin, okay? Who's got number three? Sin shall not be your master because you're under grace. For by grace have you been saved. All right, the next point, Dr. Grudem says, sanctification increases through life. We, we are saved and then we continue as we grow in the Lord in sanctification and we won't be totally sanctified until the Lord takes us home so here sanctification increases through life um, somebody's got number four it's uh, two parts go ahead Colossians 3.10 and have put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Proceed, pursue peace and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. We're growing in Christ's likeness. That's that's it. And then um, what? Where am I? Four or five? Who's got five? Uh, 
just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Okay. Uh, who's got number six? Okay, may God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete. So as we as we render, uh, as we allow the Lord to, to move us into sanctification. Point C on the on the uh, primary on the um, God and man cooperate in the sanctification in just what Cheryl Rowe read. All right. Point D. Sanctification affects the whole person, the intellect, the emotions, the spirit, and the physical bodies. I didn't pass these out, and sometimes if I would encourage you to run these scriptures, but but I, I think you get the point. We can't separate ourselves as a whole person, and we need to grow in Christ in every aspect of our life. E, Motive for obedience to God in the Christian life. And this is, to me, the big, the big one. A desire to please God and express our love to Him. And two, the need to keep a clear conscience before God. I always sleep better when I'm when I'm clean. When I've gone to the Lord and asked Him to forgive me of the things that I've done that day. There are more there under the motives. You can see them. F. The beauty and joy of sanctification. The more we grow in the likeness of Christ the more we will personally experience the joy and peace. Now, Swindoll kind of cuts to the chase. There's a whole lot we could say about, about this thing. Second Thessalonians is, I mean, First Thessalonians in this scripture is talking about, is talking about um, sexual sin. But it's more than that. But it is that. And this is what Swindoll says. Since its inception, the church has built, has been, was built, it's a stronghold for personal holiness against the shifting sands of popular opinion. The household of God is called to remain committed to moral purity 
But one of the most disturbing signs of the deteriorating church is a compromise of biblical moral foundations when the foundation begin to sag with loosening standards, crack under cultural pressure, or wash away with the flow. The moral fortitude of Christians is weakened, polluted, and innocence is lost. Another thing. This is from Swindoll. Forget the red-like districts of the adult bookstore of the 1980s. Pornography has forced its way into our home via the Internet. And with always online presence of smartphones we are carrying in our pockets, a potential portal of porn 24-7. It's ruining marriages, destroying relationships, harming and hurting the minds of the youth and the body of Christ at large. You hardly need to be reminded that fallen pastors didn't suddenly fall. More often than not, pornography played a role in their downward spiral. The only answer this this moral plummet is holiness. In the 21st century, the word almost sounds archaic. Holiness conjures up so many pictures in our mind that we tend to put it in the hushed chambers of monasteries and cathedrals and hooded monks and mystic readings in silence. God, however, wants to unlock the wooden doors and open the stained glass windows of our thinking so that his holiness can walk freely through every room in our lives. He longs for us to be holy, that is pure. Yes, he is holy. Yes, God's calling the ordinary, dull people like me and you to become beacons of purity so that the hope will pierce through those who are stumbling in the world's moral fog. But there's more to it than just sexual immorality. In our James study, we talked about this tongue, about our speech, about what we say and how we say it, about our post on social media, about our post on email, All of these things, we need to come under the sanctification of the Lord. We need to to apply the blood as we want to do. Romans 12. What does Romans 12 say? It says that we need to live a pure life, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Let me read it. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of a God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Sanctification, a big churchy word, but it's something we need to continue to practice every day, that we may grow more like Jesus every day when we put our body and our thoughts and our emotions under the control of the Lord Jesus.
Any questions? I've stole some of Jeff's time, so we need to dismiss. All right. Father, thank you for the book. Thank you for its straight teaching. Father, forgive us for not controlling our lives to be more like you. What would Jesus do? We need to apply it every day to everything, and we'll give you the praise. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this group. Thank you for the further service. Be with everything that's preached and prayed and sung, and we'll just give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.